welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name's Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for joining me, my friends. It's good to have you listening, and I appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, I just, again, I say this every time, but I am excited about this conversation. Um, I almost missed this conversation, full disclosure. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad we didn't, uh, because it is important, and it is probably the number one topic that most kids, pastors, family pastors, even next gen and student leaders are talking about right now. So it's a timely conversation. So stay tuned for that. You're going to enjoy this uh, a lot. So my guest is no stranger to the KMC in our podcast because he's been on before, but he's a good friend. And we've talked a lot about a ton of different things. And he's had me on his podcast, the Nick Blevins Family Ministry Podcast. So if you haven't subscribed or listened to that one, you better jump over. Um, that's the unofficial sponsor for today's episode, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Ministry Boost. We could post them too. Um, but anyway, uh, my buddy Nick has has released a new book or is going to be soon released uh, called The Volunteer Playbook. And this is a framework to help your church recruit, train, and empower more volunteers. And it is really uh, going to be a huge hit and blessing to many people because I've used Nick's volunteer stuff. Um, in fact, some of it I'm actually has incorporated into my teaching in in the volunteer boot camp that KMC offers. So, um, Nick, you get credit for that, and I do give you credit in the course. I tell people I stole this right from you um, with permission. So, Nick, welcome back to the KMC, man. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm a big fan of sharing, <laughs> as I'll call it, ideas, yep. resources, tactics. I mean, you know, very, very little of what's in this book is original with me because you just pick it up from other books, yeah. leaders. I try to, even in the book, I, I credit multiple names, Reggie Joyner, Jim Wyman, Tony Morgan, just, you know, people that are mentors to me and yeah, and, and I, a lot of the ideas, you know, that I do in ministry, and so many of the ideas though come from just talking with other church leaders, right? You know, yep. it's like I was just having a conversation the other day, and it's like, you know what, we need to do that. That's an idea we need to do. So I'm a oh. big fan of that stealing. <laughs> I don't want to call it stealing ideas because I think yep. it's sharing. <laughs> it is. I think it makes sharing. us all better. I think it makes us all better. You know, we're it's... not we're not auto sales or something like That's that. Right. People, you know what I mean? That's like right. we we can share. And and, there, and you want to give credit and all that stuff matters. Yes, but man, let's make every church better. Yep. Well, that's it, and that's that's the heartbeat of the Kid Ministry Collective, anyway. And and that's my heartbeat, as I've always been, and I hope that that I'm always known as somebody who builds kingdom first. And because it's not my platform, none none of this is mine. I don't own any of it. It's it, this is I'm stewarding. So and that's what it's all about is sharing. So yeah, I would when I'm doing this KMC volunteer boot camp thing, I, I've been telling pe- the people that are doing it, I'm like, you know, this is a great idea. In fact, I would tell you, go buy their buy the course on ministry boost because I'm sure there's stuff I'm leaving out that that I I haven't done well that that I've I could do better at. So anyway, but hey, so you've got this book and you know the routine um, of the podcast. Um, so I've got to ask, and it's probably pretty obvious why why this is such a big deal, but why did you decide to write this book? Because I know this has been a process for you. It has. And I guess like at my heart, you know, I, I never intended to go into full-time vocational ministry. I got a degree in information systems management, Um uh, thought that that's what I was going to do, some version of project management. And I think a part of me at heart is a little bit of an engineer. And so when I did get into full-time vocational ministry and, and that, and and again, even when I did that, it wasn't new. I volunteered to my church. I was a leader. You know, I was one of those volunteers that my wife and I, before we married, we volunteered 15 hours a week, probably leading a few different things and probably, you know, things we probably shouldn't have done to be better (laughs) with our focus. You know what I mean? But we did. And so I knew what it was like leading volunteers, recruiting volunteers as a volunteer, but then certainly doing it when we launched the church and I was on paid staff 17 years ago over those years, learning that making tons of mistakes, you know what I mean? Messing up so many things, being a barrier to the growth myself because of not implementing some of these practices. I just felt like 
everybody struggles with this if you're in vocational ministry and it's not it's a huge challenge but it's part of why it's a huge challenge is because it's not impacted by just one thing you know there's right. not just one lever to pull to fix volunteerism or even six <laughs> things you can pull um and so i thought i want to write a book that would sort of be like uh, uh a to z how do you build a healthy volunteer culture but with a heavy focus on recruiting because obviously that's what the biggest problem of them all and it's morphed over the years because it took me so long to write it. Um, it's not exactly, <laughs> you know, what it probably was in the beginning. Uh, hopefully it's better because having done a course on it and 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 done a coach leaders through it, I think we've learned and hopefully adapted it. But that's why I wrote it, because I want to help every church leader recruit volunteers. And it's not pie in the sky. You're not, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, I'm going to now have 120% of the volunteers I need. Like I'm going to have, I'm going to have waiting list of people to serve. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you can, you absolutely can have in the 90% range, 90 some percent of the volunteers you need. And if you get there and if you've ever been there, you know that that feels so different than 80% and it feels yes. way different than 60 or 70. And so that's my hope is give and and part of the reason doing the book is obviously books are much cheaper than courses and coaching and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that'll help as many leaders as possible build a healthy volunteer culture and finally release that burden. And there's always going to be times, you know, when you're crunched again. So it's not like, I think I always try to tell people it's never solved forever. This is an ongoing forever right. thing, but you can be in a place where most of your leadership and ministry isn't scrambling, plugging holes, feeling that burden. And I, I hope the book helps leaders get there. Yeah. It, well, I definitely think it will. And like I said, I've used some of your stuff in the past. Um, and I, I believe in it so much, like I said. So now I coach with it because I've I've used it and it's worked for me. Um, and now and and yes, you have to put in the work. Um, I think too many leaders and this is going to sound like the harsh curmudgeon old man coming out in me but soapbox here we go that yeah there's there's some people out there in ministry world that just think well i'm a leader i can it's supposed to just happen pray the lord of the harvest he'll send forth labors boom Mag you know pixie dust and unicorns and glitter uh glitter um anyway it, but <laughs> they just expect it to happen without you know, they, they want the pill without the process, um, as our friend Jim Weidman would say. Um, you know, it is it's a process, not a pill. And you've got to do the work. Um, so there is no silver bullets and there is no plug and play solution for any of us. But you mentioned the idea about culture. And so let's talk about what what are some of the strong the ingredients of a strong and healthy volunteer culture? Because I think that is crucial. And then we'll talk about some barriers of, of some of that too, but, but let's talk about what, what are some of the ingredients of a strong volunteer culture? Yeah. I think one of the things that I have come to love, I don't know that this was something that was really on my radar or I knew about it, but like when I started out in vocational ministry, you know, we're getting close to 20 years ago, values were a common thing, but a lot of times it was just very vague, you know, like whether it was a, a business or if it was a church, like we value prayer and the Bible and fellowship. And, and I don't want to make light of that too much because obviously every church should have that. You know, if you read like uh, Patrick Lencioni's book, the advantage, he would call that permission to play values. Like <laughs> those are just permission to even be in whatever industry you're in. What are your values that are like on top of um, kind of those permission to play expected? So I've come mm -hmm. to really love common language that creates the culture that you want. You know what I mean? Cause like, yeah. I think um, words create worlds. And so if you can come up with specific language and then use it over and over and over again, then you kind of can help create that culture of, and I define culture of how we do things here. Who do we want to be? Like okay, while good. we're leading kids ministry, while I'm volunteering as a small group leader, I'm leading hosting from stage or helping check new kids in. Who do we want to be? What should it feel like? And I think it's the most important thing. Like in the book, I talk about mission, vision, strategy. What's the difference? Why do they matter? Culture is not the most important because, you know, mission would be the most important. Like why, right. what are we doing? What's this all about? Yep. But culture is the one people feel right away. So it's kind of like, they're going to know that before they know your mission or vision, because they're going to come to the church or they're going to volunteer in your ministry and, and know, oh, this is what it feels like, you know, to be a part of this. So I think the right 
some key phrases, you know, the right words coming up with some, some values or whatever you want to call them. I think it's huge. I think expectations, clear, reinforced mm. expectations. So, hey, you're going to serve weekly. Um, which I mean, that's a little bigger. We could talk about that because th- that one usually that expectation is known. You know, how often do I serve? Although I've talked with church leaders where, I mean, they got a hundred volunteers, and it's a mix of like how often they serve, like the you know, just kind of almost like whenever they want, and yeah. you know, you're almost just like fishing every week or every month just to see who says yes. Well, that to me would be like, well, that's that's a culture. It's not a great culture, I don't think. I would say so, right. but e- even specifically. You know, we show up 20 minutes before the service and we have a volunteer huddle. Well, that's an expectation. So if like, Tom, you didn't come one Sunday, next Sunday, I'd just hopefully, if I want to reinforce it to build a culture, I would ask you the next week, hey, we missed you at the huddle last week. Is everything okay? And that just reinforces to you, oh, that is how we do things here. You know what I mean? So I think that's big. I also think there's smaller fun things too. Like, um, you know, a lot of churches are doing whatever they can to have like a volunteer space, even if it's like, a dual use room that's used for something else. And they got snacks and drinks. And and yep. again, it's this culture of like, we can connect in here. We can have fun. We can uh, get sugared up, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, t-shirts, you know, like again, and these yep. things, these are things that cost money. That's why I like to start with the other things that don't cost money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. But um, even t-shirts, like, you know, we, one of the things we say is our volunteer coaches, which are volunteers who lead other volunteers, we want them to lead like staff, and so in a perfect world, you know, they would wear the same like shirts, which they have done this before. We have done this before where they're wearing the same shirt staff wear. And that looks different even than, and the volunteers will wear a different shirt. Right. And there's yep. this culture again, right? Um, you know, our current kids shirt on the back says we bring the fun. That's a culture thing. You're right. It's just, it's not even yep. one of our values in a sense, but it's just a phrase that helps um, kind of create that culture. And then you put it on a shirt. And then you say it in the bottom of an email and yep. now we're talking, you're like, now we're yes. starting to create that culture. And then the other thing I'd say is you celebrate stories that, that embody that, like that, here's what this volunteer did that week telling, and you tell the story yeah. and then everybody's like, oh yeah, okay. That's how we're supposed to do it. Yep. That's really good. You know, and yeah, and you could do it in a lot of different, I mean, we use different colored lanyards and name tags, you know, um, those kind of things. We had those kind of sayings on those lanyards and, you know, and yeah, you can get those really inexpensively now. So if you don't have a big budget and you can't do shirts, figure out what you can do, right? Um, Because influencing culture makes a big difference. And I think you could probably even trace that to longevity too in service and helping retain Um is that you see people that stay with the team longer because they've picked up that that DNA. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so as, as you're looking at and you're thinking about building the culture, what are what are some of the the barriers? Um, you know, have you seen some things that that really just seem to jump out when it comes to to volunteer recruitment and team building? Um, what are some of those big barriers that are, that are jumping out right now? Yeah. And I, in some ways the book is, in some ways the book is almost, that's what it's all about. Not really. I mean, it's really, that's like a chapter in the book is removing barriers to volunteer recruitment. But the, one of the things I talk about in the book is, and one of the reasons I wrote the book is because, I mean, how many things do you think impact volunteerism in a church negatively or positively? I mean, probably like hundreds, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> literally, I mean, everything from like, how many things you do to how many people that attend to how many staff you have to um, what time your services are, how many services you have. I mean, like if you made a list, it'd be so many things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now there, I do think there are big ones though. And that's where the chapter in the book really focuses on the big ones and really the whole book. And I don't know the number, but you know, I, hopefully there's about a hundred things in the book, like little things, like some big, some little, and and they're not all equally important. And like, if you worked on them, you know, over a span of a couple of years and, and, and improve 30 of them, man, you would drastically change, you know, your culture. Yeah. But some of the big barriers is one is competition by far. <laughs> I mean, you know, I grew up in a church of, uh, at the time, you know, it was probably three to 400 when I, so I grew up in that church, but when I was 22 or 23, I was on the church council. I was the young guy on the church council, the at large <laughs> member, um, 
And in my church, is Southern Baptist Church, yeah, there was the staff, there was the deacons, and there was the church council, and it was a little muddy, but leadership was essentially made up of those three things. And I remember one time, at, least at the time, my wife and I, we weren't married yet, but we were leading the Upward Sports Program, a seventh grade Sunday school class, a young adult service, and um, <laughs> we, we would help with VBS. Like, we were doing all the things you shouldn't do. And then we for a season, we didn't have a student <laughs> pastor, we were leading that. And I remember thinking, this is crazy. Like, you know, I was reading, yeah. starting to read, I was starting to get passionate about vocational ministry before I even really knew it. And I'm reading different books and things. And I'm like, we need some more focus. And and being, again, the engineer in me, I asked, I wanted to figure out how many ministries do we have? How many volunteers do we have? Like, is this realistic? And it turned out we had 75 things that you could serve on. Ministries, committees, teams, whatever. <laughs> and if that's, and a church of four, 400 generously 400 uh, and some yeah. of the 400 would be kids. So like, if you're just talking about people who could volunteer, right. you know, maybe 350 to whatever and 75. And here's where it gets even crazier. That's not even 75 roles. I mean, that's 75 things. One of those things was that upward basketball cheerleading thing that it needed 50 volunteers. Another one of those things was Sunday school that needed, I don't even know, 40 to 50 volunteers. Yeah. So now some of them were smaller, like the beautification committee, uh, I like to go to that one. Um, you know, it's probably four or five people or something like that. That's awesome. Um, and some of them were committees. And so they didn't even meet every month or whatever. But you could just tell like that's a that's too much competition. And that is probably yeah. most established churches. However, I don't ever want people to like use that as an excuse because you can still recruit in the midst of that. But too many ministries, multiple programs. And unfortunately, two of the biggest barriers and they're hard to change, especially if you're the kids pastor is um one service and we could talk about some hacks for that because mm -hmm. obviously in kids ministry specifically if you have one service well that's hard because you're asking people to serve and then miss the service uh but yep. the other one would be sunday school same reason because uh and that happened for us my wife and i again we weren't married yet but we were leading a seventh grade sunday school while we didn't go to sunday school so the only reason way mm -hmm. we could say yes to serving and students was to say no to going to our own sunday school right and so whenever you're asking people to do one of two things at the exact same time, you got to be cognizant of that. And unfortunately, you know, yeah. I'm team kidsmen, kid ministry. Uh, the unfortunately, it impacts kids ministry the most because a lot of times student ministry meets at another time. Yep. Some other roles you're volunteering in the service, so you're not missing the service. So there's other exceptions, but one service, Sunday school, you know, those yeah. are some of the biggest barriers there. Yeah. And, and, and it is tough. And yeah, I mean, there's been some research recently that showed, you know, the average size church here in America is, is what, 300 or less, I think maybe, maybe even 300. Oh yeah. Cause generous. the average, I think the literal average is 70 or 80 or something. Is like that, that what it was? Was that, yeah, the, am yeah, I that crazy, inflated? Wow. Yeah. See, I yeah, was Cause once you get to, um, it's crazy how the math, I was with a church recently, uh, you know, I work for Slingshot. I do work with Slingshot now helping churches hire staff. And I was with a very large church. 3,500 and they're going to be hiring a kids pastor. And it was funny because like, they don't know what they don't know. So they don't realize that their church is such a small percent of churches. Right. Cause as yep. we were talking about like, who are you going to get? Well, they have experience leading in a church this size. I was like, well, statistically, no, you know, cause you got to realize <laughs> yeah. a church Good of 3,500 is like two or three churches out of a thousand. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah and, and it's funny how like, I think the average, we could, probably google this real quick but the average church i think is somewhere around 80 and then by the time you're at 300 you're already in the like 20 percent or less of churches i think i'd have to go look that up yeah you know, fortunately we do have the internet right now now who knows if google's right but this lifeway research says that um while the average church seats 200 only 65 attend uh each week Okay. See, maybe Isn't that's that where I got the 200 was, was I was thinking, yeah. maybe it I misread be, there. And it wow. used to be 75 and I think it used to be like 80. So it's actually has post COVID declined. it's dropped, but it, it's just amazing the, how, um, and this is where I'm not nerdy enough math wise, but like if I were a statistics person, but the, <laughs> how you, how it breaks out, you know, like such a huge percent of churches yeah. are under 200 and then you, you know, the probably 80, 60, 70, 80% are under 200. And then by the, I know, like, for example, a church of a thousand, you're already 2% of the churches right. are that size yep. or bigger. Yep. Um, yep. So you can tell that most churches are that, you know, whatever, hundred yeah. to 500. And it does, it creates, it, it creates some huge challenges. I was talking to a leader that I'm working with right now and, 
the the way their services are set up, they actually have three services, um, but they don't have children's ministry for one of them. And there's student ministry going on in one and they get a lot of student ministry. They get a lot of student volunteers during the time that there isn't a student service, but that's not their biggest children's ministry service. And so she's like, what, you know, this is a huge, and so there's, there's so much that creates tension, but I, I I do agree because I've served in a lot of smaller churches myself, you know, 500 and less, um, you know, and 200 and less and, and, uh, several churches were right in that hundred to 200 range. And, and I, I sat in both chairs at times where I was the children's pastor and the youth pastor and trying to find, now granted my youth ministry leaders, I didn't require as many because you can have bigger ratios, but mm-hmm. the, the younger you go, the more you got to have the numbers and, and it becomes a huge thing. So, I'm glad your book addresses that because I think that's 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 weighing on a lot of leaders' mind. Um, let you know what let's let's talk about the big elephant in the room question, and then then I want to talk about your framework. Um, but the big elephant in the room question is uh, is the question of why is it so hard right now? I mean, you know, yes, we're on the flip side of the pandemic, and and it's what I call the new now, not the new normal, because nothing's normal right now. It's just not. It's just a new now because it's changing. And you know, good grief, we've got AI cre- creating hamburgers and McDonald's now. I mean, I never thought I would see that in my lifetime. I thought that was some space tech movie. Quality um, probably isn't going to drop that much. No, I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> it no. might not because I used to work at a McDonald's. That was one of my first jobs. But see, that's the thing. You know, I, I mourn for the teenagers of the day because they're not going to they're not going to sear their hand on the griddle like I've done and write a passage. Yes, you know, you th- they're not going to get to rehydrate onions. I mean, come on. There's you know they're not going to tr- clean out grease traps. Um, and everybody wants to clean out grease. Everybody traps, you wants know? to. Cl- it is character building. Run yeah. the trash compactor. Um, yes, everybody wants. I worked in a, uh, I see I'm in Maryland and seafood is obviously popular. So my Ooh. first job wasn't at McDonald's. It was a crab shack place. So I've got my own weird, weird stories of uh, what that looked like. Yeah. Yeah. I can't handle seafood. So just the, sm- thought, the smell just hit my mind. And <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get back on track. <laughs> but but why it why do you why do you feel like or what do you see that's creating the hardships and the challenges so much for for recruiting right now? I think there are a couple of things. The thing I've been saying, and I who knows if I'm right about it, but for two years, I think recruiting is harder now because people are less willing to commit. So mm-hmm. they were already not willing to commit as much anyway before, and that's probably a trend over time. I mean, if you think about it, you know, when I grew up at church, recruiting was hard then. But a higher percentage of your church were probably owners in a sense, like this was their faith and this was their church and we went three times a week. And so somebody saying yes to serving wasn't as big a jump when you're already doing all those other things. Uh, For example, I mean, if you're coming three times a week, but now you're going to not go to Sunday school and serve instead, you're still coming the same amount of time. So like, it's not that big of a jump. Um, I think that's part of it. But I think a big part, uh, you know, so I think that changed even before the pandemic where, you know, 10 years ago, it was harder yeah. than it was 30 years ago. But I think the biggest thing is people got a taste of a different rhythm and life and margins during the pandemic. And it's enough in the review now that I don't know that they think about it specifically, but a year ago, they would have been thinking about it specifically. They would have thought, remember when we spent more time outside and reading and with our kids and seeing, and maybe we didn't get to see family in the early part of the pandemic, but uh, we read more books. I worked on that side Mm -hmm. project. I always want to work on like there's, and and then even if they don't think of it specifically now, it's still in there. It's still in there of like, I don't want to be that busy again. So I think we have to be more bold in asking, you know what I mean? I think we have to be okay with that. And essentially understand i believe that serving in a church if you're a christian is one of the biggest ways to grow your faith but also is one of the highest priorities in your life (laughs) i mean we're on mission god has given us this mission invited us to be part of it is it more important than your personal relationship with god no leading your own family no might be right after that (laughs) you know what i mean so like (laughs) and if it's not it's still top five 
So, you know, my kids are involved in a lot of things. We are one of those typical families where, and especially right now, this spring, I've got three kids (laughs) in nine things total. (laughs) Um, And so it's, we're one of those families. And so we could Mm -hmm. easily just, and, you know, just push church out. Now I work there, so that that would make it hard, but um, (laughs) you you know what I mean? And so I think we have to be bold and push people to where serving uh, and not in a, a, a pushy way, but cast that vision and not be ashamed or afraid to, to be bold about the request, knowing that, yes, I'm actually probably asking you to prioritize this above that, 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 and that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's, I think that's okay. Um, I think the other reason it's harder now is because, and again, this is just from my experience and my experience working with churches, so it's not going to apply to every church, but, you know, when churches were coming back from the pandemic, my church started uh, September of 2020 and we were 20% of the attendance we were, you know, before yeah. the pandemic. And then that just slowly grew, you know, it's in the eighties now we're 80. So we're still not where we were before we're in the 80 and, and actually had a big, and I've heard a lot of churches had a nice jump between December and January. Uh, yeah. And again, not every church, but a lot of churches. Well, anyway, at some point, probably around the 50% mark for the, for most of that time, you probably had more volunteers come back than you had attenders. So like when we were 20% attendance, we probably had 30% of the volunteers we had, you know, if you were just looking at those numbers and yeah. the, the volunteer, and it makes sense, right? They were more committed. Of course they were coming back. Well, as that grew, as both numbers grew, I think the attendance number met the volunteer number. They were both about 50 yeah. around there. And then now it's almost like it's passed and you're getting, you're, you're only, let's say you're 70% of the volunteers back and your church is 83% back. Well, that's a problem. You know, you're behind, you're behind. So, and again, that's, that's the math part of me thinking, I don't know if that's true in a lot of churches. It it has been true in ours. We're, we've caught back up uh, through actually a lot of the things I talk about in the book and we're actually doing some more of it now, you know, we're running it because we're going to launch a third service again in the fall. And so we're literally running multiple plays that are in the book, but I think those are the big reasons people are less willing to commit and you're attendance is in some churches, even if you're not back to where you were outpacing volunteerism. Yeah. I know in the church that I volunteer at um, and work closely with the children's pastor, our, our two services right now are are really getting full. And as far as the kids area goes, and we've got just enough volunteers right now. Um, there are some Sundays where our small groups aren't small groups, um, cause we're yeah. still doing the, the one big room. Um, but, but with their meeting in different spaces, but we're trying to keep them all in so we can put one leader per group, but it's still tough. And, and we're, you know, we're seeing and yeah, and the church has started to see the attendance pick up. So there is talk of potentially doing another or a different type of service or something. We're trying to figure that out, I guess, uh, or they are, I shouldn't say not me. I'm not. <laughs> I have no say in it. I just show up and serve and cause trouble and leave. Um, I like to be that volunteer now. Um, it's so different being that than being the leader anywhere. It's oh, fun. Oh, yeah, sure, I, sure. But I love it, and I'm learning a lot about volunteering. I, I really am. So um, you you got to, especially now, be clear on your framework of how you're building a team and all that. And so you've got five parts of a volunteer recruiting framework. I'd like to know kind of what, give us a, a, a 30,000 foot view, I suppose, of, of what are the five parts of that, that framework? Yeah. And I think when we've, through all the years helping in our own recruiting, and I say our, because some of this is what we do with Ministry Boost too, like these, some of the courses we do, it's not just in the book, but in our help, in our work, in our own churches and helping other church leaders, the two biggest issues are probably time. You know, people aren't spending enough time recruiting and then some kind of strategy, some kind of plan. And if you think about it, uh, I was in a room recently where we did a, a volunteer recruiting workshop live It's the first one we've ever done with ministry boost. And we plan to do more. And we had people raise their hand. Like how many of you learn, learn, like if you went to college for vocational ministry, learned recruiting there, like, no, <laughs> like no hands, maybe one. And then, Okay. How many of you have learned it, been taught it on your staff team? Like your church staff has taught you like two hands in a room of 80. You know what I mean? So (laughs) it's one of those things where you don't, we don't spend the time and we don't have a plan and and we don't have a plan because nobody taught us and whoever did it before didn't tell us a plan and use a plan and our peers aren't using a plan. And so 
And it doesn't mean you're not doing something. You're doing some things, but it's not like a, a clearly defined strategy. So yep. we created the five-part recruiting framework. It's really just a step-by-step process of where you could take people from could serve, but you don't even know them. Or maybe you know them, maybe you don't. They could serve. That's literally all it is. A two, they're serving. Five steps. And so, and 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 the whole point of it is if you have if you have, and you could have three steps or six steps, like don't make 27 steps, you'll never manage it. But you know, <laughs> yeah, but if you know, if you wanted to make your own steps and your own framework, that'd be great. The whole point is though that you have a framework and you can track and communicate with people all throughout it so nobody gets left off or like you know, falls off unknowingly. So the first one, we call it prospects, anyone who could serve. And it's funny because this is the most important step in terms of the numbers. Yeah. And and like to have, to recruit the number of volunteers you want to recruit, you need to start doing it the right way here. And it's really funny to me how we've now coached and had probably 2000 leaders go through some version of this, either through a course or a workshop or coaching or whatever. And I'm always surprised how many leaders don't do this part right because it's the easiest part of the entire framework, you know, like putting people on a list, really easy. You know what I mean? Uh, The other parts, not, they're not hard, but they're not as easy. So that's prospects. It's anyone who could serve. And the the point, the main point we try to teach is that you need way more than you think here. Um, Yes. You know, and then, so from there though, you've reached out, you communicate with them and you know, what does that look like? Is it an email? Is it a text? Whatever. Next step is conversation. What we mean is they have responded to your communication. There is now a conversation going. Um, conversation meaning like it could be over email. It could be over text. It, it doesn't have to be like a literal conversation. So like maybe I emailed you, Tom, and you weren't serving and you hit reply. And it, it, you're now moved to the next step. You're in conversation. Yep. Then orientation. And I think one of the great, um, I don't know if hack is the right word, hacks for this recruiting process is you recruit to an orientation, not to a role that, so that puts a nice little step in there. That's an easier yeah. step for somebody than straight to a role. So that's the third part orientation. you you get them signed up for an orientation. And then at that point you're inviting them to the orientation. They're going to say yes or no. And then, so the fourth step is onboarding. So this is all the things you, the logistics, right. Of bringing on a new volunteer background checks, interviews, applications, uh, training, things like that. And then the fifth one's placed. And uh, there's even some things you want to do there, you know, to prepare a volunteer well, to make sure that they stick in the role. And and that's the five parts of the framework. And, you know, go through that in the book. Um, the courses we have, a few of those go through that. The main one's a volunteer boost. And the most important part, I mean, all of it matters, track people through it, you know, communicate all throughout. You know, for example, if somebody is in a conversation that signs up for an orientation, but doesn't come, you got to have a plan for how you follow up to the next one, you know? So if you can do that, so it's kind of like, it takes a little while to build it. You got to work more on the front end, but, but then maintaining it is not nearly as time consuming. You know, you can get to a place where you're not spending as many hours a week, but you got to get enough prospects in the front end. That's the whole, I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, if you do that, you're going to have a much better chance of being successful. And that, to me, that goes back to, you've got to have a good conversation, especially if you're in a smaller church, the entire staff's got to get on the same page with this approach. Um, And that, so I've always challenged children's ministry leaders to lead up, (laughs) to initiate that conversation, have that conversation, to let people know, to let the youth leader know, to let other people know, I'm not in competition. I'm not trying to steal. In fact, I'm willing to shift people if they're, if they can better serve you. I'm even willing to let a volunteer go because we're a family, we're a team and we're working together because ultimately, yes, what you said earlier, serving in the church is the greatest, it's, it's discipleship. And we've got to get that mentality that we're not inconveniencing somebody. We're not trying to make them more busy. We're actually trying to help them become a greater follower of Jesus, a disciple, because they're going to make disciples um, and they're, they're leading in some way, shape or form. So, yeah. And I don't want to, you said something great that most churches don't do. The best version of running this play is when your whole staff, anybody who leads volunteers does it together. Uh, We've done this multiple times with our staff. We used to do a biweekly meeting. It's now come back actually right now as a monthly meeting. 
Uh, but it was a bi-weekly 30 minute meeting. Everybody that led volunteers came and it was a real quick, like, okay, how are you doing? Who are you talking with this week? Who stepped on the team? Who stepped off? And, you know, it was quick, you know, you just, you just share mm-hmm. an update. And it was also a chance for us to, we'd all look at the numbers. So we're looking at the numbers every two weeks, you know, so there's accountability. And you know, what was one of the great things about it that wasn't necessarily what we planned is kind of like what you said. Um, there was sharing, there was teamwork, there was communication. It's like, Oh, and then sometimes it's hard. Like, Hey, I really want to ask, you know, so-and-so your fifth grade, small group leader and kids to serve in sixth grade student ministry volunteer, you know, <laughs> Oh, you're taking a, like Lisa, my elementary director. Uh, I always feel bad for her because she loses the most volunteers to student <laughs> ministry. You know, yeah, you don't get yeah. it. We don't get it. I don't know about other churches, but we don't get a ton of like preschool volunteers becoming elementary small group leaders. Yep. We get a lot of third, fourth, fifth grade small group leaders becoming student ministry. Yes. Small group leaders. I've seen that too. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and part of me, and what's great is I feel like we have developed this culture that is, apparently is somewhat unique where we help each other. Our guest services staff, we've had probably five or six different people lead our guest services ministry over the years, it is just known that we view that as an easy first serve opportunity. Yes. But for a lot of you, not all, because there's people that still serve, they've been serving there for 15 years. But for a lot of them, it is not your final serving destination. Mm-hmm. You will sort of, you'll do that for a couple of years and then you'll maybe move on to being a small group leader for adults. And eventually maybe you'll be a small group leader for students. And, and it's just cool to see yes. that working. Is it hard? Yes. Are, you know, their feathers get ruffled. Sure. But it is so great to see it like work together like that. Now, if you don't have that, that's fine. Just run the framework, you know, use the method on yep. your ministry. There is yep. the advantage now that you're not competing with anybody as you <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, that is an advantage. Whereas if you work together, you got to be real intentional. Yes. You know, so like prospects, for example, we can't all just be contacting the same prospects. You know, Tom, you <laughs> and I got, we got divided up, you know, so, yes. you know, that matters. Yes. But when you're communicating, then you're you're also talking about people in the prospect list of who would be a better fit here, who would be a better fit there, because not everybody's going to yes. be a, a great fit in children's ministry. In fact, there's some people I wouldn't want in my children's ministry. Yeah, yeah um, I, even if you're not doing this with other staff, one of the things that I talk about in the book in the conversation section, so part two, step two of the framework, um, if I'm having, I've had many of these conversations doing this actual system where in that conversation, you're you're pastoring those people. So like you're asking about them and their journey and how they find their way to your church. Because you what you might find is serving in kids ministry is not their best next step. That's the phrase yep. I use. What is their best next yep. step? I love and it. And like I think of the guy I met who had moved up to our area a year ago, uh, was struggling job wise. And um, we just were talking about some of that, some of his past and his family. And it was like, you know what? You need this group. You mm. need to be in this small. It wasn't even mm. serving was not your best next step. You need to be in this small group or you talk to somebody else and it's like, Oh, I didn't know you sang. Y- you know what? Dang it. You might be better fit for worship arts. You know what I mean? Like there's part <laughs> of you that like, ah, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, or whatever it might be. And so uh, that, even if you aren't recruiting with the rest of your staff, oh. um, you should have that hat on and help, them yep. find their best next step. Yep. I like that. That's a that that one every least listener should incorporate into. And because to me, this is the mentality switch that I think is going to break through for a lot of people when it comes to volunteer recruitment is seeing it as discipleship. You're discipling people that way. You're saying, hey, you can use your gifting the kingdom in and it doesn't have to be just in my area and if you want to win trust and you want to i hate using the term score points with other team members you come to them and say hey by the way i was doing this interview with with a prospect and they would be fabulous in your ministry and so here's their name contact i told them that they could probably be hearing from you um you know it, it was it's amazing when i've done that in the past um I've had them come back later on and go, you know what? I've got somebody that would be perfect for you. And it wasn't because they were trying to get rid of them. Because <laughs> um, sometimes that's what they think. Oh, is it, what's wrong with that volunteer? Yeah, yeah. Why are you trading me away your <laughs> your scraps? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and and some people get the mentality of what, you know, we have playing card, you know, baseball cards, you know, with volunteer prospects on and we're trading. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, no, I'll, it's and I'll it's trade not that you my third round pick. Yeah. 
the fantasy league draft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have heard some churches having fun with it and doing something like that with anyway. Um, that's another podcast. So, well, hey, I know we're we're probably running long. I I've lost track of time, and I don't really care because this has been a great conversation, and it's and it I think it's something that's going to help a lot of people as well as the book. But can you can you wrap us up with what what maybe would be um, a hack for um, getting leaders? Because I, I there was a question not that long ago in in our Facebook group about volunteer trainings um, and how to get people there. So give some, give some people, give our listeners a little bit of encouragement here. If you've got some people on your team and you're trying to figure out, or maybe you're trying to restart some things um, as far as volunteer training and gatherings, what's some of the, what would you suggest um, for kind of getting them, getting that excitement back and, and getting attendance back up? Yeah. And that's one of those things where, I mean, it probably took a big hit, you know, through the last few years with pandemic it was already not doing well. I mean, you, you know, we would talk mm-hmm. about um, what percent of the volunteers show up for a training, you know, and I don't know, like, what would you say, Tom, like just guessing if you held a training for volunteers, kids ministry volunteers a few weeks from now, what percent of them do you think show up? Yeah. It's going to be no more than 30% if it's a good day. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, that's rough. And it, you know what I mean? Like, but there was a time I would say, I don't know what the average is, but like 40 to 50 would be like a yeah. lot of the churches do that. We used to get 60 to 70 yeah. with what all some of these little hacks I'll share here. Um, and I'll be curious to see what is that number now over time now, yeah. you know, compared to what it was years ago, there is a correlation of course, between commitment. Like if you serve weekly, mm-hmm. you're probably more likely to come to a training. Like we've yep. all been there, right? Where you hold yep. a training and like all the people you wanted to come to it don't come because they already don't. Yeah. The ones who <laughs> come really as often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But some of the things I talk about in the book that we've done that are helpful for kind of just raising that number as high as you can get it. Uh, we use personal invites with a whole system. So, you you know, we try to get the date in front of them six to eight weeks yep. out. You know, we're mass emailing them, inviting them with a, with an RSVP type something. Is it Eventbrite? Is it just a form that your yeah. church management system form? Um, and then, and then you're ideally you manage that process too, where we're like, once they RSVP, you're not hounding them anymore. So they're yeah. not getting the emails anymore that say invite. And then the closer you get to the event, the more personal it gets. So, you know, six weeks out, it's an email with the RSVP. Five weeks out, it's another reminder. Four, four and five weeks out, you're talking about it with them. When you see them on Sunday, if you happen to have a volunteer huddle or in your weekly email, um, three weeks out, you know, there's a, it's getting more specific. Hey, and maybe you're merging that field. Hey, Tom, I saw you had an RSVP for the, or gathering in a few weeks. Will you be able to make it? Click your RSVP. Um, and then I think, you know, you're getting close to two weeks out, three, two, three weeks out. Uh, you're talking, you're talking to them on Sunday, you're sending texts. Uh, and it really is like a conversation too. Like, you know, if you see them when yeah. they're serving on Sunday, a couple weeks out. So that's a huge part of it too. Cause it's like people, especially, I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this, but when it comes to signing up for anything, I feel like that's another casualty of pandemic <laughs> where people sign up later. Yep. Um, you they know, do. our one, our one event, which we're doing actually a week from tomorrow, uh, last year, it doubled the week of, uh, it's like, Oh my, I mean, wow. and we always had stuff the week of, but like doubled, it didn't double. You know, so we're like, we're a little ahead of that this year. So I'm hoping it's not quite as extreme, but point is you gotta, you gotta know that people are going to do that. So how do you continue to follow up with them? And then some of the other things I think are big are you got to make it easy to attend, you know, can you provide childcare? I know that costs. Um, if you can't do that, or maybe you get volunteers, that is huge. Can you feed them that cost again, unless you do like a potluck or we, which we've done all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, pick the date strategically. I mean, you know, like a, a September in a lot of places around the country, a late August, early September is great because it's kicks off the school year, but it is hard if you got yep. parents with back to school nights and yep. things like that. Don't, you know, middle of July is not great with vacation. So, <laughs> you know, you want to be strategic in the calendar year. You also want to be strategic in the week, the, days of the week. And, and you just play around mm-hmm. with it and see what works. But, you know, yep. is lunch on Sunday better because they've been there? And they don't have to come back out is a weeknight better, you know, so we've, we've done all of those things. And I think there are some that work better than others, but I would, um, you know, try that with your, with your team and see what you get. Some of it too, is that you you want it to have like a 
a can't miss culture? Like, mm-hmm. do you have fun at it? Do yep. you share information that you could have shared in an email a month ago, but you're going to hang on to it and share it there. And you're going to even tell them that you're going to share it there. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's like, I need to get there because I'm going to miss whatever Tom's going to talk about, or, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of fun and, and foster connection. I mean, I always I have this, I don't know if theory is the right word, but idea that, you know, the younger, the age of kids you serve with, the less you're connected to other volunteers, because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes, if you're in the nursery, there might be two or three of you or four of you, but um, you're not seeing the other preschool rooms. And right. you're, you you need even more focus on the kids you're serving. If you serve in a five-year-old room, it's a little different. You might, I mean, you're not, you know, it's not, the ratio is not one to two anymore. So there's a little bit more time to just talk with another leader or whatever. If you serve in elementary, same thing. If you're in student ministry, you're on a different, sometimes you're on a different night of the week. You're yeah. seeing them before and after. You're on trips together where you just spend a week together. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a community there. Well, if so yeah. in our world, in kids ministry, they need connection. So like make sure yeah. there's some time for a connection. And then probably my favorite hack for getting that you know, good attendance is it goes back to what we said earlier about expectations. It's follow-up accountability. So for example, mm-hmm. I, I say I have a hundred volunteers, uh, 60 of them end up coming and, and 40 didn't. Let's say 20 told me they weren't coming. They RSVP'd no. And 20 did not, never heard from them. The 20 I never heard from, you follow up different with the different groups. So the 60 who came, hey, thanks for coming. Uh, here's what we talked about. I mean, he, this was great. Here's some of the links to things, whatever. Uh, appreciate you taking the time for that. The 20 who missed, hey, sorry you couldn't join us. Thanks for letting us know. You weren't going to be able to make it. Here's what you missed. And the people who didn't RSVP, here's the email. Hey, Tom, we missed you at our training event Sunday. Is everything okay? Nick send mm-hmm. turns up the heat right like yep yeah i didn't even i didn't even like say i didn't even let anything off the hook now that's it i think i think that's the, the for at least for the first time that's the limit of the heat so like tom if you reply hey sorry couldn't make it uh michigan was playing ohio state and i just couldn't <laughs> bring myself to uh to miss it it's almost like it it does matter what they say it is, but it almost doesn't matter because in a sense, you're just this the whole point is this is to set the expectation. So even if you gave me um a lame excuse, um with that, that part of it's like, okay, hey, thanks. In the future, we we do we, you know, we want people to attend as many meetings as possible. That's part of you know the commitment of being part of the team. And I wanna and we even if you can't make it, we want to know that too. Here's what you missed. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. You know, if they kept missing two and three and more after that, then that's probably another conversation. But um, you get what you expect, right? Yes. And so if you don't follow up like that, well, yeah, people are going to be like, eh, must not be that important. Yep. Yep. They didn't care. They they didn't miss me. There Um, are literally volunteers who think that's not for me. I just serve in the toddler room. Right. I'm just on welcome team. That's not for me. And but then when you email them that, oh, it was for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, that's good. It was for me. So that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, so the book gets released when? April 18. All right. Tuesday, so, April 18, okay. volunteerplaybook.com. It's just a it link, it just leads to a page on my nickblevins.com site, but um is where you can get all the information. Obviously, Amazon is probably where most people are gonna <laughs> buy it from. And uh, but but volunteerplaybook.com has a lot of other resources and free downloads and things like that that go with the book yeah and so you can you can head to nickblevins.com you can see all the things that nick offers he's got a lot of different things uh to help you in your church and so by all means um you know he's one of the few coaches i recommend um when i tell people that if i'm not the right fit for you hey i've got other people though nick is one of those kind of guys that I would definitely send. His podcast is fantastic. So you can check that out as well. And then they've got a ton of resources at Ministry Boost. Um, so go check out their website. They've got all sorts of courses and different things that you can t- take advantage of and learn and grow uh, and develop. So so look at some of that. And uh, and by all means, uh, go check out this book and uh, use it to to encourage your team. Get it, get it with your leaders, um, your key leaders, and read it with them. Maybe as a church staff, you need to read it together. And this is how you start the conversation in your staff um, so that you can build a better culture 
Um, I think that's something, again, we need to serve our families and the people that we're leading well. And one of that is by helping them serve and doing it the right way. So I do think this is a big spiritual issue. It's a big thing in the church. So um, it's not just a children's ministry thing. Um, so um, get a bigger picture of that. So Nick, thanks for taking time out. Um, thanks for keeping me on the ball and not missing this podcast recording. <laughs> I got your phone number. <laughs> and we've done this. I mean, like you've been on my podcast like at least three times, I think. Yep. yep. This might be my second or third time here. So yep, I think so. I didn't feel bad hitting you up when that's good. You know, I'm you, glad you when didn't. calendar integrations fail, you know, <laughs> who knew phone phone calls still work. Yes. Tom <laughs> needs to improve his system. Um I got that. Uh <laughs> thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's always fun to talk ministry yeah, and and uh, yeah, I hope the book is really helpful helping churches recruit build better volunteer cultures. It is needed, right? I mean, yep, we all it we is. all need that. It is. It's the most important I, work in the world. Absolutely. And I know it will be. I know it will be. So, all right folks, well that takes care of this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective podcast. Again, if I can serve you anyway, please reach out. Um, you can go to tombump.com and find all the things there if you want to message me or if you need help uh, with restoring leaders, you need some leadership coaching, church consulting, all that kind of stuff. It's there. And again, thanks for sharing the podcast. Thanks for leaving reviews. Those help us get the, the podcast word out. And we want to continue to grow this ministry. And uh, so uh, by all means, share away. And uh, if you haven't joined the Kid Ministry Collective Facebook group, come join us over there. We would love to have you part of our community so we can grow together. And uh, again, thanks for listening and stay tuned for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills and ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.